0: Hello, everyone. You are listening to In the Weeds with Monica Jean, an agriculture podcast. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us again. My name is Monica Jean. I'm a field crops educator based out of the Saginaw Bay region, and I'm here today with Eric Anderson. Eric, can you go ahead and introduce yourself?
1: Hi, thanks for having me, Monica. My name is Eric Anderson. I'm a field crops educator. I am based out of St. Joseph County. I cover the southwest portion of Michigan. I'm right down on the Indiana border.
0: And today we will be talking about hemp regulations. Um, We've had a series now with a couple different topics, and so we wanted to make sure to cover some past regulations and then also maybe uh, talk a little bit about the future, what this growing season would look like. Um, So Eric, could you just clarify something for me quick? Because we get this question every so often in the office. Legally, what's the difference between hemp and marijuana?
1: It's the same plant. It's the same species. So cannabis sativa, or there's a a couple of other uh, subspecies off of that, but it's the same plant. And so I've heard folks say that, well, you know, you can tell the difference uh, or, uh, if you're out in a field, you could tell if that was a hemp plant or or a marijuana plant, and that's totally not true. There are differences between different varieties. Uh, there's big differences between, let's say, um, hemp grown for fiber and hemp grown for CBD or marijuana uh, plant, but it's the same species. So really the only difference between these is It's a legal difference, and that is this THC, this uh, delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol. That's that psychoactive chemical. So all of the cannabis plants make THC to some degree. Uh, Some of them, uh, the varieties are very, very small amount. And so the legal difference is 0.3% THC. So if you have 0.3% or below, then legally we can call that hemp, industrial hemp or hemp. If it's above 0.3%, then we call that marijuana.
0: Can you uh, give a brief history of the legal status of hemp in the U.S.?
1: Hemp has been grown in the the Americas and specifically in the U.S. uh, since even before we were a founded nation. Um, They they grew it for primarily hemp, but for other purposes uh, back even before uh, the first founders came here. And it wasn't until uh, into the 1900s that it started to get lumped together with uh, all forms of cannabis or, you know, specifically with marijuana. So in 1937 was the first, it wasn't a law that was enacted that either legalized or, or, or made illegal, but it was a taxation act. And that was in 1937. It essentially shut down or, or greatly hindered all of the, the hemp production just because uh, it was so heavily taxed. Then we had a resurgence in the 1940s, and that was primarily due to the war effort and our need for hemp fiber and then uh, fast forward to 1970, the Controlled Substances Act uh, did specifically make all forms of cannabis illegal. And so hemp was thrown together with marijuana, so all cannabis. And then if we fast forward again to the 2000s, uh, in 2014, the U.S. Farm Bill Uh, primarily through the efforts of a senator from Kentucky, it was enacted that we could begin to do research uh, at the university Mm -hmm. or the state level. So that 2014 Farm Bill gave us the ability to actually work with hemp. In Michigan, we didn't have that opportunity. Uh, We we tried. Uh, There was one researcher on campus in particular, uh, Dr. Kurt Thalen, who tried to get permission from the DEA at that time for us to do some basic agronomic research, and it just didn't pan out. We weren't able to get permission to do that. Uh, Then fast forward again to just a couple years ago in December of 2018, then the 2018 Farm Bill was enacted, and that essentially legalized commercial production of hemp.
0: I was in his lab at the time. They were trying to get approval, and I remember him talking about how it was on the most restrictive, like, drug classification and it was just a struggle for yeah. and he never got approval right to do any of right. that work yep. um so i i remember that he it was an inner it was very interesting um yeah. It was frustrating. so yeah it was very frustrating for him and and uh, the research technicians at the time so sounds like things are improving and becoming easier i know that there's still a lot of rules involved in the production of hemp. Um, Can you just uh, talk a little bit about the implementation of that 2018 farm bill?
1: So right away at the beginning of 2019, uh, a lot of folks that called into extension offices had questions. They They were really assuming that since the president had signed the farm bill that we were all free to grow and you know it was it was written into law and there you go and it turns out anything to do with the government is not that simple uh, there's <laughs> a regulatory level that needed to be put into place all things hemp are overseen by the USDA Department of Ag And we were waiting in 2019, we were waiting for the USDA to come out with its regulatory framework. So, for example, I mentioned that the the legal difference between these two types of crops is that THC level. Well, Mm -hmm. how are you going to measure that? Who is going to measure that? Uh, What are the different protocols for measuring it? What happens if somebody grows it when when it's uh, a higher THC level? And so there's all this, this regulatory level uh, that needs to happen, and we were waiting for that from the USDA in 2019, and that did not happen right away. MDARD, or the Michigan Department of Ag, they needed to put some plans into place at the state level for us to be able to grow in 2019 so for those folks who grew hemp in Michigan and really anywhere in the U.S. in 2019 it was done under the 2014 farm bill in other words we had to have a research protocol in place Um, and a lot of people thought well does that mean that I can't grow it and sell it Uh, does that mean that I I have to work with the university and so there was uh, another set of questions with that so all production in 2019 was basically retroactive. Uh, it was legal under the 2014 Farm Bill at the end of uh, excuse me at the end of October in 2019. The USDA did um, propose its uh, interim, what they call the interim final rules. So it did um, propose its it did publish its framework and that was what we were waiting for. Um, Right now, uh, Michigan still needs to make some tweaks, some changes Mm -hmm. to the laws that we have passed in Michigan to go along with some of the changes that were made in those interim final rules for the USDA. So what that means for Michigan in 2020 is it will be basically a redo of 2019 will be operating under the 2014 farm bill. The 2020 growing season in Michigan will look exactly like it did in 2019. So for those people who grew, they had to have either a grower or a processor license or both, and they had to fill out paperwork for uh, what they call an ag pilot program, this, this research protocol. So uh, for those folks who grew in 2019, 2020 will look awfully similar. By the end of October 2020, then we need to be compliant with what the USDA put forth in its interim final rule. And at that point, at the end of October, which hopefully for all folks growing hemp in Michigan this year, uh, all the harvest will be done by then. But all of this, I shouldn't say all of this, a lot of things are going to change with some of these details of how, for example, how samples are collected and who can test them. Uh, That will happen at the end of October
0: 2020. Okay, so for right now, there's nothing unexpected. There's no changes for this growing season. It would be for the 2021 season that there, were, you know, we don't know what they all are yet. Right. But there's going
1: to be some changes. So for example, one of the things that the USDA said was that only DEA, kind of like what you said with Dr. Thalen's, that that most restrictive, uh, the the labs that are testing the samples have to be DEA approved. And it it turns out that uh, fortunately for us in Michigan, uh, MDARD's lab uh, on campus, that is DEA approved. And so that's no problem. So Um, For all of 2020 production, we are essentially operating the same as we did last year. No changes.
0: Okay. Um, So it sounds like then for a first-time hemp grower and processor for the 2020 season, they'd be following what the 2019 farmers did and those, those resources we have published, you know, that would still be relevant. Right. And uh, where where what, what would you recommend for those first-timers to do or, or best resources to look at?
1: So one resource that I would recommend for first-time hemp growers uh, definitely is going to be MDARD's hemp website. And it's a long, ugly URL, so I will just say <laughs> if you type in MDARD, that's M-D-A-R-D, and industrial hemp, one of the first two links that comes up will be their a growing industrial hemp in Michigan page. There's a number of things that'll be useful for you. Uh, number one is you can sign up right on that page to get uh, put on their their email update list. Uh, it's free, so anytime they have a change or they want to make you aware of something, they will send these out. I think they maybe sent out a dozen all year last year, so it's not a lot. Also, they have other resources. Uh, You can look at the 2018 Farm Bill. Uh, So they've got uh, one tab that says laws and regulations. You can read about those. But probably the most important thing for folks is going to be the tab that says forms. That is where you will go to check. um, You'll get a checklist for what's required. There'll be the paperwork that you need to print out and and send in Um, and again that's either for the grower or the processor handler application so that ag pilot program application uh, again that's not really difficult uh, and you don't need to that was another question that folks had you don't need to work with a university with an institution of higher education Um, that was one of the options in that 2014 farm bill but Most people that grew in 2019 just worked directly with the Department of Ag, and you just need to put in some, uh, basically some research questions, and don't be thrown off by the word research. If you had, let's say, three different varieties that you were testing, and you wanted to see what was the best one, or you had maybe a few different fertilizer products that people were asking you to try, so... The, the research protocol that is required under this uh, ag pilot program. It's necessary, but it's not at all daunting.
0: So it sounds like they get on that website. The forms tab is important for um, growers and processes, processors to get registered. And so that's where they will navigate to go through that registration process.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Okay. So you had mentioned, um, or we briefly talked about the regulation changes for 2021. Do you know what any of the changes are going to be?
1: Sort of. So what happened, uh, like I mentioned, at the end of October of last year, the USDA came out with its interim final rule. And then, as with all uh, public policy at the federal level, then they have a comment period. And so that comment period is usually 60 days, and then they extended that out to the end of January. And that allowed the public to weigh in on some of the changes that the USDA was was proposing. And so we don't know because I, I think the number I heard was they got about 2,800 or so comments. And so then their job is to read through. They legally have to read through all those comments. And so we need to find out sometime hopefully this year whether or not they will take those comments into consideration and change those final rules. But for right now, those interim final rules will become law. Uh, they'll be enacted at the end of October of 2020. There are a few changes that Michigan growers and and our Department of Ag would need to follow. So first of all, uh, and, and this is nothing, again, terribly, Uh, overbearing, uh, but there's going to be a few more uh, reporting requirements for growers. I mean, we'll still need to uh, use the the map. We'll still need to give our GPS coordinates, but there's an additional layer of uh, having a, a legal documentation of where that is so you'll have to give like the the quarter section and you know kind of some of the the types of language that you would see on a plat map so again it's not overbearing but it's just another layer Uh, you'll also like I mentioned have to use uh, DEA registered laboratories to fulfill the law so again here in Michigan that's nothing new Mm -hmm. one big change that is coming uh, again this would be for 2021 is that uh, for 2019 and 2020, growers themselves will collect the samples to send in for testing. That will not be the case moving forward uh, for 2021. So according to those interim final rules, all those who are collecting samples have to be DEA approved. So probably what that's going to mean is that some member of law enforcement or somebody from Department of Ag will have to come out to each one of those fields and collect the samples. So that is something that uh, MDART is working through right now as to how that will play out. Similar to that, another change is that if somebody has a crop that tests HOT, uh, what they call HOT, in other Mm -hmm. words, that THC level is too high right now, we have the ability to go out and destroy that crop on our own. We just have to somehow show MDARD that we've done that. Moving forward for 2021 and moving forward, we will have to have someone from uh, either DEA, someone uh, from the Department of Ag actually come out and oversee that. So that's another level of regulation.
0: Oversee the destruction process.
1: Right. And they're still working through exactly what that will look like. Does that mean, you know, that you can just disc that crop into the ground? Is that sufficient? So they're still working through some of the details of that. But again, everything that I'm mentioning right now, this is only for 2021. So Mm -hmm. end of October of 2020. One last change will be, that we all have to do an online background check for this year and moving forward for 2021, uh, there'll just be another layer of that, more like a an FBI background check. So it's, it's again, it's not a lot different than what we're doing, but it'll be a slight change. And again, that's for 2021 moving forward.
0: Is that just for the owner processor then that needs to grow a processor?
1: Yep. So whether you're going to have a grower license or whether you're going to have a processor handler license. So we're all required to get that background check. It's not a big deal, but there'll just be just a slightly more intense level of scrutiny for that.
0: Okay. All right. Well, sounds like um, there'll be some changes, but it's not a huge ball game changer. Just uh, right. some more stringent on on things that there were already rules imposed on. Right.
1: And, and our Department of Ag has been really good to work with. They understand uh, that hemp growers are are wanting to be compliant. They're wanting to work uh, under the USDA's guidelines, and so um, they'll they'll help us as much as they can as we begin to implement uh, not only for 2020 um, what we did last year, but then also moving forward for 2021.
0: Okay, well, is there any other things, Eric, um, about this growing season or the next one that we maybe be missed you'd like to mention?
1: Nope, If you grew last year, uh, hopefully you already renewed your license uh, right towards the end of October November time frame. Uh, we had to renew those licenses. So for those who are growing anew for 2020, all those things that I just mentioned going on to MDARD's website, Um, definitely you'll want to talk to some other folks who grew in 2019 so that you have a a little bit of a sense from a regulatory perspective of what to expect, the signage that's required to have posted at each one of the sites where you have um, the hemp growing. Uh, You'll definitely want to talk to someone who's already grown, maybe one of your neighbors. But definitely if you have questions, you can reach out to an extension educator and we'll be able to help you.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for getting on today and recording this. Um, I appreciate your time. Thanks, Monica. This podcast has been brought to you by the MSU Extension Field Crops Team. For more podcasts or information, please visit us at canr.msu.edu backslash field underscore crops. Thanks for listening.